This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello, and welcome to Season 7, Episode 20 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And today we are joined by Brandon from Melodic Treks. How's it going, Brandon? I'm doing fantastic. I uh, pulled up in my uh, my uh, minivan and I totally burned some rubber. Oh, well, I suppose you That's get good. good torque with a minivan. Yeah, That's I, I totally pimped my minivan. <laughs> so... So, so Brandon, you're on Melodic Treks now, and uh, you also do um, a number of uh, episodes of uh, the, um, the the From There to Here show. Uh, but for those people who aren't familiar with you, and since it is customary on this show to do so with, with new guests, um, what's your relationship with, with Star Trek? How did you become a Trek fan? Uh, well, I, uh, I remember watching the first episode of Encounter at Farpoint with my mom when it first aired, and for, I don't know how, but for some reason I remember asking her questions like, is that supposed to be Kirk? Is that supposed to be Spock? Um, we watched a few episodes, but we never really stuck to it, so I remember watching Next Generation right from the beginning, but one day when I was sick, home from school, I was watching an episode of the original series. I was flipping through the channels and Shore Leave was on and I got hooked instantly. I was about 12 years old and uh, I thought this was the greatest thing ever. Uh, Next Generation was airing. It was in its prime. I turned it on that night and Chain of Command Part 1 was on and I just fell in love with there and there was so much Star Trek within a couple of months because Deep Space Nine was starting and, you know, about a year after that, Next Gen finished and there was movies and there was Voyager and it was like just an explosion of Star Trek everywhere. So it was a perfect time to become a Star Trek fan. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like we became fans at almost the exact same time. You know, I, I discovered Star Trek like a month before DS9 came on the air. So it would have been probably like just like one or two months after you. Interesting. Yeah, somewhere right around there. Yeah, it was it was a perfect time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And old fans like me were sitting there waiting for you guys to join and catch up. <laughs> well, thanks. Sorry we were late to the party, you know? That's okay. Now now I know what it feels like uh, to be you with you guys here <laughs> with the Fast and the Furious because I, I've been watching Fast and Furious movies for the past, like, 15 years now, and uh, you guys are just discovering the beauty of them uh it uh right now for this show yes it's all it all yes, leads absolutely. up to this i still like star trek better fair enough fair <laughs> enough i agree with you <laughs> but the fast and the furious can be pretty cool at times um so yes today's movie is uh the third justin lynn film or is it the fourth no it's the third third justin lynn film the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which is uh, a movie which came out very few months after Annapolis, and it is the third film in the Fast and the Furious series, or saga, if you will. And um, yeah, just to give you guys a little bit of background, to sort of like set the stage for where we are in the Fast and Furious, you know, mythology, you know, more... Um, in terms of the general public's reaction to it than anything. Um, the original Fast and the Furious came out in 2001, I believe. Uh, zero expectations across the board. It was supposed to be, I think, like a March opening, and then they pushed it back to summer. And when it came out, it, when it finally came out months after it was originally supposed to, it was a massive hit. No one could figure out why but it was a massive hit like i knew people who were like oh my god this speaks to me you know and i want to go you know drag racing and stuff like that and it became like a problem you know like it, it the people were like doing this for real because of the movie there were stories about people crashing their cars in you know theater parking lots because they were racing to the exits or whatever 
It was insane. And of course, they were like, well, let's do a sequel. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can get Paul Walker and Vin Diesel back. That would be great. And then Vin Diesel's like, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. So they were like, well, we can get Paul Walker back. So they get Paul Walker, and they, I think, I think it's pretty evident if you watch it, they rewrote the script uh, to make um, Vin Diesel's character a different character in, in Tyrese. And now we have Too Fast, Too Furious, which is um, an amazing title. You know, they got an amazing director, John Singleton, to come in and, and make this movie. And it's, yeah. in my opinion, an amazing movie. I don't know. I love it. Uh, hmm. We could debate that. I Because the thing is, I think that, um, I mean, as we as we go forward and get to Tokyo Drift, I you know what, I'll save my observations about Too Fast, Too Furious, because I watched these in, in quick succession. And so, so I'll I'll save the comparison moment for for then for that right. But okay. we'll come back to that thought. I, I definitely thought that the second one was better than the first. Um, I had never seen them when they went through the theaters, right? And I I remember seeing the trailer for Too Fast, Too Furious, and uh, when I saw that title come up on the screen, I know you think it's a cool title. When I saw that title come up on the screen, my eyes rolled so hard, I'm swear I saw my brain. <laughs> well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's uh, I, the the thing. The thing about it is like I don't know. The the for me the first movie was like, not nah, that's fine. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's crazy that they were able to make something dramatic out of you know some guys racing cars. You know, but I thought it was like ridiculous. But it took itself really seriously, and I'm like, this doesn't you know whatever. And there was another movie, the the competing racing movie that came out uh that same year was torque by uh oh, joseph khan which I to that me even existed most people have uh, to me yeah. that's always been the superior film i love torque i love it with ice cube and and everything it's great um i thought it had like a much better style and, and all this stuff and for some reason the Fast and the Furious was the one that took off. So Too Fast, Too Furious comes out, and you can tell watching that movie that they're just like, we need to make a sequel. What is it that made the first one great? Cars racing. But here at least they add this whole element where they're like going undercover to take down like a drug lord or whatever it is and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. And I, I really like Singleton's like direction and everything. And I thought like this movie knows how ridiculous it is. The first movie took itself way too seriously. This one knows it's absolutely ridiculous and I love it for that you know it just goes for it it's super crazy and uh I I, I loved it so because of that I was really looking forward to this new one the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift now okay here's a case where you know there's a slide already Vin Diesel has lost interest now Paul Walker has lost interest and it's like well what do we do well, let's just do something completely different, completely new characters. It won't even take place in America. You know, Tokyo yeah. Drift. And I think the perception going into it was really like, boy, they do not know what to do with this thing, and it is going to die right here, right now, if this thing isn't spectacular or if, you know, we can't get the original people to come back. So here we are. The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Um, Justin Lin comes in, having made it big now with Better Luck Tomorrow, and, you know, Annapolis, I'm assuming, was going on right at the same time. He, he comes in and tells this completely new, self-contained story. And, John, uh, can you give sort of a, a synopsis of this thing? Of course. Of course I can. Well, a, a young kid who likes to race, he's a ne'er-do-well, He's been nothing but trouble for his mom. Uh, races one last time, wrecking a neighborhood that's being uh, constructed. And the only way that uh, he can avoid jail time is to go off and live in Tokyo uh, with his father because his mother works out a deal with the cops, and apparently this is how things work in the world. But uh, he, So he goes off to Tokyo, and his dad is, you know, he's naval, 
you know, he's a naval guy and he's strict and he's by the book and he doesn't want his son racing anymore. But of course, you can't keep somebody who truly loves racing out of the race. And he finds his way into trouble very quickly and uh, gets caught up in the drift racing circuit, which has ties to the Yakuza, the uh, deadly Japanese mob. And uh, a number of eccentric and exciting characters along the way. And of course, all culminating with a, the, the race to end all races. But as, as a spoiler, as you can tell from my, uh, my enthusiastic description, I, I didn't like Tokyo Drift. I loved it. I did. <laughs> I loved Tokyo Drift. It was I, like just ratchets it up takes it to a whole other level and uh man what a satisfying movie and and i you know honestly this is this is one of those moments i feel like i need to own this on a recording somewhere that i give mike a lot of gumption about when we differ on movies and when our (laughs) opinions don't line up and even when we're not on air i i do the same Hmm. But this is something where I gleefully eat crow because I was wrong not to watch these movies. And I cannot wait to keep watching this series. And Tokyo Drift is what pushed it over the edge for me. I mean, I'm not going to blame you for that or anything because, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that these movies would be good. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's weird that they are. And to varying degrees. And... You know, I mean, I have to say, I mean, well, I guess be, 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 before we get to me, um, Brandon, did you like Tokyo Drift? I know that you hadn't uh, experienced any of these Fast or Furious movies up until recently either. Yes, I had not experienced any of these movies. And I, I am a completionist, just like Mr. Mills is. And uh, I was watching them all, and I put on the first one. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, why am I watching this movie? And I actually turned and I looked at my Criterion Collection DVDs and said, this is not the kind of movie that I watch. Why am I watching this movie? So I watched it, and uh, just to kind of get it over and done with, I immediately put the second one on, and I'm like, yeah, this is a bit better. I like this one. There's some more crashes. But I do have to say that the third one here has been my favorite. I really, really liked this movie a lot, and I had fun yes. watching it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I'm yeah, glad I guess, that I, I guess, watched it. Yeah, I guess compared to the Criterion Collection, this doesn't quite stack up to... Uh, you know, the Manchurian Candidate or... Uh, or, or Seven Samurai the, is is still better Samurai. than this, but... Day yeah. of the Condor. They both take place in Japan, yeah. so, you know, that's my comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, yeah, well, for me, you know, I, I, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but, like, I don't... I mean, okay, just to sort of give give you my, my, my history of, of these, these movies, you know, saw the first one because... I saw everything, you know? I mean, it was like, whatever, there's a new movie coming out, it's got whatever, it, you know, I'm going to go see it because it's it's a movie that exists. And I was like, yeah, it's fine, you know? And then the second one, you know, like I was saying, I was like, oh, yeah, now, now we're getting somewhere or whatever. So going into the third one, I was like, let's do this. Come on, Fast and Furious again. But at the same time, I was like, they really aren't trying anymore. Like nobody cares. Not even Paul Walker cares about this this series anymore. So what is this going to be? And I went to see it, and honestly, I was like, this movie is not work. I'm I'm done. I'm done. You know what? I, I was like, I don't I don't care about any of this. You know, the only thing that stood out to me was the scene where uh, Bow Wow was trying to sell the. Uh, the red velvet uh, Air Jordan 21s. <laughs> um, but that's just because you got an Air Jordan fixation. This is yeah. true. This is true. And it, it bothers me later on down the line. But we'll talk about that in a few weeks. <laughs> is this the first um, time or like even this time you feel this way? Uh, what? That that I, I'm excited about it? That I remember it? or No, no that you're just like, eh, this is not that good. Was that the first time or is that this time? That, that was the first time. Okay. okay? And while I continued to see Fast and Furious movies and saw all of the other Fast and Furious movies, you know, when they came out or actually before they came out, I was 
never a fan of this one. I never felt the need to go back. I occasionally went back and watched the first one. I watched the second one like crazy. Like anytime, like I, I used to do this thing called the Tuesday Night Movie Club, where every Tuesday night my, my friends and I would get together and watch a movie. And um, when I think Fast and Furious came out, I was like, well, I guess we're going to watch Too Fast, Too Furious this week, you know? And people are like, that one? Why that one? I'm like, because that one's the best one. That's the only one which is really worth watching, you know? Um, so, yeah, I it, even though I, 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 would, I continued with the franchise, I never felt the need to go back for Tokyo Drift because I was like, well, you know, whatever. I mean, I guess it was kind of cool to see that kid from the beginning of the X-Files movie, the one who falls down the hole <laughs> and who's like, yeah. no way, but wow, this is mine. You know, that one, right? Because that's yeah. the kid. See, he's, that's, that's funny. Him. I remember him from up. a TV show that he was in called American Gothic. Yeah. Did you know yeah. if you ever saw yeah. that show or not? But he was a, he was in that one. I remember from the X-Files too, but. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's all grown up, you know, <laughs> and you still see him occasionally. Like he was in uh, 42, the Jackie Robinson movie. Mm -hmm. And he's mm -hmm. like, maybe one, maybe tomorrow we'll all wear number 42 and then they can't tell us apart. That guy. Yeah. Um, he's cool. Right. And <laughs> But not enough to sustain this movie for me. Then when Justin Lin was announced as, you know, director of, of this new movie, Star Trek Beyond, I was like, okay, now I need to reevaluate. I need to go back. And basically, this series that we're doing right now, I did that like privately for myself, you know, a year ago, right? And in rewatching Tokyo Drift, I was like, yeah, this works. This works. Still not as good, good as Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, no, but... you're, see, that's that's where you're wrong. <laughs> that's where you're wrong. That it, it is. It is not only as good as it's better. Um, now, granted, it's it all comes down to you know differences of opinion, and I you know I, I get that. But the thing is, Singleton, yes, made a superior sequel. Too Fast, Too Furious is superior to the original. But what he did was he took uh, what uh, what what was laid in the first one. And just did it better and polished it and made it made it work better, made it flow. Okay, great. This one did something significantly different in the sense that, uh, I, I mean, yes, you know, you can make these jokes. Yeah, it's a different type of a, a different type of racing. What Lynn, for me, demonstrated with this, and I was legitimately excited uh, in a whole different way for seeing Star Trek Beyond after watching this movie, is that what always bugged me about the first two was that the racing scenes I'm sure on the big screen look fantastic, but where I'm watching them, I'm like, eh, it's like that sort of blurry effect when they hit the NOS and it's like, eh, you know, whereas with this, they're dealing with a very chaotic type of racing and, and car movement and sweeps and angles and stuff. And Lynn just absolutely nails it with the, for me, with making it just so easy to visually track with everything that was going on, there was never any point where I felt like he was cheating the camera or I was going to get uh, you know, lost in what was going on. And there was some really complex stuff going on. And that's why I like this one better. And additionally, what makes me like him for Star, for a Star Trek movie even more is, of course, Star Trek has always been about using... Subtle metaphors, uh, for, you know, and, and situations to talk about, um, you know, different social issues and everything like that. And the simple decision to take, um, you know, take the main character and put him over in Tokyo was a very, in my opinion, a very Star Trek sort of way, not only to explore the other culture, to give you that sort of, uh, you know, stranger to the culture to go through, but it actually made, for me, a real uh, commentary on, you know, minorities in culture and subtle racism and stuff like that. Like, that that's what got... So, I, I, know, I know I'm gushing over the movie, but, like, this was literally the moment where, as much as I, you know, uh, you know, Annapolis was good, and as much as I enjoyed Better Luck Tomorrow, this was the one where I was like, oh, this is big screen, you know, like, wham, bam, can't wait to see what happens, sort of moment for me with, with Justin Lin. Yeah, I agree totally. I mean, like what I liked about this one compared to the other two was uh, I actually believed the car stunts in this movie. 
you know, I didn't believe them so much in the other two, but this one, like, uh, in the opening scene when they're going through that, uh, uh, that suburb area that they're being built and whatnot, and the car is flipping, you know, like, I believed the effects that were going on. I believed the car stunts. The drifting and whatnot was done really well. And so that that was a huge thing for me to be watching this movie and saying, yeah, this is something that I can actually see a vehicle doing. You know, I think it was the second one when they, like, jump over that bridge. Like, they, yeah. that br- I'm like, this, that car would just explode when it hit the ground. Like, I didn't even buy that at all. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't, uh, you know, I liked that they took new characters and whatnot. I mean, this is the Halloween 3 of Tokyo Drift movies, right? Of of Fast and Furious movies, because there's all new characters and a completely different plot line. It's better than Halloween mm-hmm. 3. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I just, I wanted to make sure that that statement was made. Really wanted to make sure that statement was made, yes. But, uh, I mean, it's it's a whole new story, right? And it, that's okay. You can do that in a movie franchise. I don't mind when they do that. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. And, and I guess, you know, talking about how the racing differs, I think, is interesting. I think what I always kind of saw, the, the way that I was sort of looking at it, was the first one... Yeah, I was like pretty much had the same reaction to the racing that that you guys did. And with the second one, I was like, okay, they're just going for it here. Like, I remember listening to the commentary and John Singleton talking about how like his main influence on making that the movie was like anime, like basically Speed Racer, you know? And he's like, I want to bring that quality to it. And he's like, I'm not trying for realism. I'm trying for craziness kineticism you know that sort of thing and I think he succeeded where Rob Cohen didn't in the first one and here I thought it was kind of like a step back from that um, in that it was you know less crazy you know and, and everything but I mean I guess thinking about it now and hearing you know what you guys have to say you know it, it, it does make sense that it wasn't a step back it was a step sideways you know and he was doing something different he kind of like drifted off to the side um you know and and uh it 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 was a different a different style and it it works for this one for sure and you know i think some of the things that i was maybe critical of watching it for that first time um don't bother me as much anymore um and uh yeah on the whole I, i think it is is pretty good i mean it's interesting looking at it, let's say, the way that people look at it now as part of this much larger franchise, not back then, but but now, it, it really, they see it, I think, it always reminds me of, of people's reactions to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where if you were to just ask a random person coming out of a Fast and Furious movie, you know, who's you'd be like, are you a fan? And they'd be like, yeah, I'm a fan. Have you seen all the movies? Of course I've seen all the movies. Well, which is the good ones? Which is the bad? What do you think of Tokyo Drift? Uh, That's kind of dumb. That's easily the worst of all of them, you know, kind of thing. But if you were to go on to, let's say, the Fast and Furious message board, if there is such a thing, right? (laughs) And you were to say, like, what do you think about Tokyo Drift? They'd be like... Oh, well, this is clearly the best film in the franchise. Or, you know, if you were to go to a film festival or, you know, like I remember, and this this is kind of like speaks to it, volumes to it, the new Beverly, Quentin Tarantino's, you know, uh, movie theater, right? Where mm-hmm. they show just all, whatever, all the time. Like a few months ago, they were like, we're showing Tokyo Drift. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And then, like, Justin Lin showed up and everything. And it's like, yeah, they're going to be showing Tokyo Drift. They're not going to be showing Too Fast, Too Furious, you know? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be showing, you know, what's considered to be the best one. They're going to be showing Tokyo Drift because the people going to the New Beverly, they're going to be like, this is it. Like, the hardcore film lovers, they're like, Tokyo Drift is where it's at, you know? I just think that's interesting. I don't necessarily agree with it. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, w- I will say that, um, you know, because, you, you know, we, we talk about how, like, with Too Fast, Too Furious, it, it revels in sort of its, uh, you know, absurdity at points and everything. Um, yeah, can we get into spoilers territory? Yeah, I think okay. people should, if you haven't seen Tokyo Drift by now, stop listening to us and go yes. watch Tokyo Drift you, and then come back. Yes, it's a it's a good way to spend 107 minutes. There okay. are there Trust are me. spoilers all over these cars. They're on the trunks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, <laughs> avoid spoilers in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> but the, or Nos, don't forget Nos. Yes. But the uh, <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but I want some. Uh, well, you but can the, buy it. You can drink it. There's an energy drink called Nos. 
I, yeah. I, I know. I it's terrifying. Wasn't that the bad guy <laughs> hey. in the new Star Wars movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he should be. No, Phantom no, Menace, uh, Boss Nos. Oh, you know, don't even take me down that road. <laughs> but okay, so we're getting into spoilers territory. I will say that that the, um, you know, the race at the end is great. I love the way everything's structured. But like to have the Yakuza boss. Like at the end, after he wins, is like you're free to go, and then he walks away. And he's like chuckling, and it's like, oh, what a lovable yakuza boss! When you just saw his henchman who started the race is missing four of his fingers for failure somewhere along the way, it's like he's not a cuddly guy. Okay. This isn't this isn't but, a good guy to be laughing with. But when it's Sunny Chiba, you know, it's like okay, it's, it's all fair, good. fair point, fair point. I mean, but he's, I, he's he's Hattori Hanzo. I will say also that getting to the uh, the ending, even though I know that there are more movies coming, and even though I know that Vin Diesel is in them, and as soon as uh, you know they they came up and they said there's a guy that wants to race the the new DK, he goes and he says, uh, you know he knew Han. Well, I, you know I don't want to race him because he was a friend. He goes, he says he was family. I was like, oh yes, yes, it's him. And like when they pull up and they show Vin Diesel, I was like, "Yay!" I was so happy that he was back. It was so cool. It's, it, it's funny that you have that reaction because I mean, I'm not going to say what happens, but I had a very similar reaction to Fast Five. There's a credit cookie where, you know, after watching Fast Five, you know, and, and I was at a place at this point in time, and we'll get into why, where I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, fine," you know, but then like this credit cookie came up. And I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" It was like it was like Nick Fury, you know, kind of thing. Not not in this in what was being seen, but you know, the same sort of reaction. And I'm yeah. like, "That was the most amazing thing I've ever seen." I don't even care about these movies. I'm <laughs> whoa, you know. I mean, it, it was very strange, you know, how how that worked. But it, it it sounds like yeah, you had a similar a similar reaction here. Yeah. Um, yeah, Justin Lin's definitely. good at credit cookies. Hopefully there will be one on Star Trek Beyond. Uh, oh, wow. That would be cool. <laughs> I'll be sitting there, Shatner. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> no, yeah. No, Shatner's sitting there with his old, uh, his old uh, eyeglasses from, uh, from Star Trek II. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there reading a book, and he just looks up, and he goes, that's not how it happened. And then the, cre- <laughs> and then the screen goes black. There you go. There you That'd go. That would be perfect. That was not the only thing in the uh, in the movie that was kind of hokey, though. Like at the end, with the when they go up to them and say, "We're going to solve this. We're going to solve this ourselves." How are you going to do that? We're going to race. I mean, that you know, that's the thing, and that's you know one of the reasons why all of these these movies. I'm sort of like, okay, you know, oh, so now we're going to you know, oh, and here's the obligatory like actual race, even when they get away from it. But I mean, to me, the the hokiest thing, the thing which I find to be unforgivable in a sense is during that last race where everyone is shooting the race on their flip phones <laughs> they're all connected which is fine but then they're all watching the race on their flip phones yeah like do is that they, what, what were they doing there they were, were just, they, they were future proofing the movie mike <laughs> which is what you need to do with technology that movie is now relevant today in a way that it wasn't even then. It was foretelling the future. Because if you look at the editing of that sequence, it really makes no sense. Like, did, do they are they trying to establish that someone else is shooting this thing? No, the Nokia phones were connected so that one person down the mountain was seeing what was going on through somebody else's phone. So right? is that really... That's what they were saying was happening? That's what I interpret it as, is that their phones were somehow connected through some completely non-plausible technology with a Nokia flip phone. And uh, whoever was at the top of the mountain watching it was filming it and sending it down the broadcasting mountain. Broadcasting it. down the mountain. Periscope. And then... They foresaw Periscope. Somehow, the phones would know to switch view when it got to the next corner of the mountain. Okay, you don't, you think that's hokey? The one guy fell off the mountain... A vehicle drops at a pretty rapid pace, and somehow the other car came around, and then the vehicle crashed in front of him. Oh, that was so awesome! That's that was not so even cool. plausible. I love that. 
I don't care. This movie it's is awesome. far from perfect, but it's the best that I've seen so far. I loved it, <laughs> but it's far I from perfect. I don't demand physics reality. That's nonsense. And I don't think that they were supposed to necessarily, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that that everyone involved knew, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, the thing that I, I'm like, it's, it's almost like, you know, in Mission Impossible ghost protocol where like he sticks the flare in the in the guy's sleeve you know underwater and then yeah and jeremy is like how did you know that it would work and he's like i i i don't know what's the, you know what's well, but what was the thing what was it supposed to be it, nothing it was just a thing you know it was cool you know yeah. that's all that matters yeah um so yeah i but i mean it works so what did you guys think about the inclusion of han solo in this movie now I know John, you you obviously watched Better Luck Tomorrow, so you're familiar with the character. Yeah. Brandon, have you seen Better Luck Tomorrow? I have not yet. I definitely okay. want to see it now because he was a very cool character. I really did like him in this movie. So um, I haven't seen the rest of them, um, but I, I sent you a message, and I'm fully expecting to see him again at some point because I do know that this takes place later. And if he is family and whatnot, then I am expecting to maybe see the backstory of it. I'm hoping anyway. So don't ruin it for me if that's not even the case. But uh, yeah, No spoilers for us, just for yeah, other people. No spoilers. Unless you want to put one on my minivan, then I'll take a spoiler. <laughs> so, so, John, what did you think about Han in this movie? I, I'm so in love with the character that, like, uh, and again, spoilers, stop. I, I Go watch the movie and come back. Um Okay, you're back. Uh, I so loved the character that when they killed him, it was, you know, it it takes a lot for me to care when a character gets killed. And, and when his car blew up, was like, no, no, don't do this to me. He was so cool. He's like, not he was, dead. I, well... Not so long as we remember him. No, no, no. He's and not drop dead. him on the Genesis planet. Maybe we find. <laughs> maybe we find him in Star Trek Beyond on their did, version of the Genesis. Planet. Did you not I see hope. the X Files reboot? Cigarette Smoking Man's still alive. Okay, and that guy I, survived I even, like a missile. Yeah. There's hands alive. I, I, all he, all it was was I'm a car a, explosion. I'm not acknowledging the X Files reboot anymore. I'm past that. <laughs> what do you, uh, Mike? You the, know, you know what I'm talking about. Hands alive. It was yeah. just a car explosion. It wasn't like it was a missile. Well, that's true. He could have gotten out, and we, you know, and I know that I'm being a little bit like Andy Wilkes. He couldn't get out of the cock a duty car. <laughs> but if he does, I'm cool with it. I'm totally okay with that because he's awesome. I'm like a fan of that guy. I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go track down other movies that he's in to watch because I think he's so cool. Well, you'll get to see one next week. So. Yay! <laughs> but but the thi- but the thing is, it's like not to not to oversell it, but he he earns his you know I guess little wink wink joke name of Han Solo mm-hmm. because he does in fact carry himself with the same easy charisma that Harrison Ford did back in the original Star Wars. Yeah. He and the thing is that is not easy to convey on film. Like yeah. he successfully makes you want to go be his friend. He's and he's that is a, awesome. He's an outsider, you know. He's a criminal, yeah. you know, and everything like that. But he's still someone who you love, you know. Right. And he's a good guy, you know. Yeah, he's he's like the no he's the noble criminal. He's yes. the, he hangs out with terrible people, but he's he's the good you know he's he's doing the stuff that doesn't hurt anybody, sort of stuff. And I like how they did sort of tie it in and said, like, yeah, this is the same character because he's like, what are you doing in Tokyo? And he's like, Tokyo's my Mexico, you know? Yeah, that's right. So That's my so Mexico. That, that's, that, that's, that was pretty cool. I like that. All right. Um, so we should talk about the crew for this movie because the crew is basically the same crew that we will be seeing uh, in Star Trek Beyond this summer. Um, this was obviously, I mean, while Annapolis was probably his first, you know, big budget movie, comparatively speaking, Tokyo Drift was his first, you know, big action movie thing. And, you know, obviously for something like this, I imagine the studio is like, you've got to get people who are, you know, established, blah, blah, blah. And apparently he got the right people because he's continued to use them basically throughout his entire career, um, which is all Fast and Furious movies except for the next one. But just to give you an idea, um, the cinematographer, Stephen F. Winden, 
he's coming back to do Beyond. Uh, one of the editors, uh, Kelly Matsumoto, is coming back uh, for Beyond, along with uh, a number of other people, many of whom he's picked up over his uh, Fast and Furious career. And um, then the uh, costume design designer, um, Sonia Milkovic-Hayes, is coming in for Beyond as well, who also, by the way, was the costume designer on Star Trek Insurrection. So that's cool. Um, Should also be noted um, of particular interest to you, Brandon, I'm assuming, that uh, the music is by Brian Tyler, Mm -hmm. who worked on Voyager, right? I think he did, yeah, a little bit, yep. He's done lots. I've got quite a few. He's done a few movie scores, one or two. (laughs) He did Iron Man 3, right? Yeah, because I love the end credits music from Iron Man Three. Okay, he did he did uh, two episodes of Enterprise. He did Canamar and Regeneration. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if he did any Voyager or not, but yeah, yeah. No, he's I think that's all he done. I yeah. think actually that's all he's done is those two Enterprise episodes, uh, which you can download for free. They've been made available for free. Um, they're not a part the of the music? collection. Yeah, nice. So so that that's pretty cool. Um, now, one last thing I want to talk about here with this here movie here is the title, okay? And oh. we will, this will be a continuing thing throughout this series is the title of the Fast and Furious movies. Now, the Fast and the Furious, pretty straightforward, whatever. Too Fast, Too Furious, I think pretty much encapsulates everything that the Fast and the Furious sequel is about, right? Yeah. And now for this one, they're like, the Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, like, oh yeah, we're going back to the original, but it's different, you know, the Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, you know, kind of like um, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> and and we'll get into what the other titles mean as we go along, you know, at least to me, what I think they mean. But with this one, <laughs> I, I, I'm particularly fond of it because um, Max used to always say, like, Tokyo Drift really is the perfect subtitle. Like, you could literally put Tokyo Drift onto the end of any movie, and it would instantaneously become a movie that you would have to see, that you would want to see. <laughs> I mean, you can try it, you know, Star Trek, Tokyo Drift. You know, because it, no matter what it is, it, 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 there's like a certain like connotation there, and it can be different each time, but you're like, what does that mean? I have to see that. Citizen Kane, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Wait, you know? let me try, let me try. Golden yeah. Girls, Tokyo Drift. I mean, come on, would you not <laughs> wow, see that, that movie? That, yeah, I'm in line already. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could, you can like literally do this like all day long, and believe me, we have, okay? But, but would it work if you have like episodes somewhere in the title? So it was like Star Wars Episode Eight, Tokyo Drift? Yeah, because it could work. That's intriguing. That, that could definitely that's intriguing. work, you know? I mean, it's 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 sort of like an endless thing, you know. I mean, and you can come up with stories for all this stuff. You can take it to some weird places, right? Like Gone with the Wind, Tokyo Drift, you know. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia, Tokyo Drift. It just it totally works. So it I, does. I I love it. I absolutely love it. But, I'm going to be doing that for days now. I'm I know, right? You around. just can't stop. And, and <laughs> as as we as we get further into the franchise, you can really see like how you can use this as sort of like a, a, a th- this naming convention for like an entire series. But we'll get into that later on because it's very specific. Okay, all right, uh, Brandon. Any final thoughts on the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift? I love Bow Wow's car, that Green Hulk car. Oh yeah. oh yeah! When that thing's coming that out, I'm like, awesome. "What is? Did he get it in an accident? Like when he's pulling that thing out, I'm like, was he in mm-hmm. an accident? What is wrong with that vehicle?" And then I'm like, "Is that a foot? Like I don't know. I just I thought it was so cool, and he's so proud of it. So yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. a fun movie. It's great. I definitely recommend it. I mean, uh, like I said, I thought the that the Car stunts were totally believable. I thought they were the most believable of all. There was great camera shots in it. When that ca- when that camera went through that baseball hole in the windshield, like that was awesome. Yeah. I'm and when when yeah. he flips and the car is 
is flipping in that Tabasco sauce or whatever it was. Goes oh, by yeah. Like, there was some great shots in this. And it actually, you know what? It really made me look, I'm looking forward to seeing Star Trek Beyond now just to see what he does with it. I want to see, I want to see a bottle of Tabasco sauce fly by in space on Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Why not? So Why not? I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. What about you, John? I I I mean I I think everybody's probably figured out by this point that I'm just thrilled. I know that I now know that Star Trek Beyond at a minimum when it comes to the you know the big action set pieces is going to be phenomenal to watch. I'm so and now in the trailer seeing them on like the the dirt bikes, I'm like, "Oh yeah. Yeah, I know that's going to be awesome." So, I seriously I wouldn't advise skipping the first two, but if anybody is listening to this and has not yet decided to go back and and watch, you can jump right into Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. Go out, spend the time, and just 107 minutes, it's it's a blast. Go see it. Yeah, someone on the Babel conference was saying, like, okay, I'm not going to watch all of these movies, but I want to get a taste. Which one do you recommend, you know? And while I don't think that this is the best one, it certainly is the most accessible because it's the most self-contained. Like, you can watch yeah. this. It's its own story. And, you know, you, you can really get a sense of what it is. And in, in a lot of ways, it's probably um, the most purely Justin Lin because it's not, like, dealing with anyone else's characters or anything like that. It's just his own creation. I mean, you know, written by Chris Morgan, but still... Um, not the best of the of the Fast and Furious movies, but uh, certainly um, self-contained. Um, in terms of you know my my final thoughts, I guess you know it, this movie has definitely grown on me. Um, I enjoy watching it a lot more now than I did back in the day. Maybe I was just in a bad mood. Maybe I just saw it at a bad theater and the presentation wasn't up to par. Could have been any number of things, but. Um, I do like it a lot more now. And uh yeah, definitely would recommend it. So okay. Couple couple little bits of news items or whatever, um, before we go in terms of creator news and stuff. We've been talking about Ten Cloverfield Lane forever and um it came out and um I, I saw it. I know you, you two haven't, right? Yeah, no, okay. I haven't. I'm not gonna spoil anything or anything like that. I just thought you know like okay we need to just follow up a little bit you know i saw it um and it's it's awesome <laughs> it's so cool um it's uh you know very much sort of like a twilight zone episode or something like that you know it's this nice little bottle show which takes place all in like one little room but then, I mean, you want to talk about, like, gear shift movies, you know, which we've talked about a lot on this show. This is very much a gear shift movie, and um, it's it's really kind of cool to see fantastic performances by um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman and, and the other guy whose name escapes me. Um, definitely worth checking out. Some of the most beautiful compositions I've ever seen, honestly. The 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 photography in this movie is fantastic. The direction, the photography, you know, it's it's great. Uh, check it out on the big screen. Definitely worth it. And uh yeah, yeah, enjoy. Let let us know what you think. I saw, Stay away from spoilers. I saw an article that said it's the first Oscar-worthy performance of the year. So would that yeah, be I saw, John Goodman yeah. or I, yeah, I think John Goodman is awesome in this. You know, I mean, he's he's really really good. Very much John Goodmany, but you know, <laughs> he he. I mean, he's so good in everything. You know, I mean, obviously, like the That's Big Lebowski true. is like probably his. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he so embodies those characters. Like I look at like Walter, you know, from the Big Lebowski, and I'm like. I know someone, I have a family member who's very much like this guy, you know, not in terms of like his, his, you know, philosophies or anything, but in terms of his like mannerisms and everything. And his refusal to bowl on the Sabbath. (laughs) No, this particular family member would bowl any day of the week, given the opportunity, but um, it's just, it's just strange. Like he just nails those and he does the same thing here. Like he does it in red state. Uh, another movie which I would highly recommend. I'm sure John would too. And um, 
he does it here as well because I know you're a big Kevin Smith fan, right, John? Uh, just such <laughs> the biggest Kevin Smith fan imaginable. Actually, you I think probably, it's well established. Have, have, have you seen Red State? No, I think nor you, will I. I think you would like it quite a bit, honestly. It's you know you got me over to the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. Don't push your luck, Schindler. Okay, okay? It's, it's really it's really un, like if if you were to watch the movie. And then someone were to be like, who directed it? And gave you a list of like five names and one of them was Kevin Smith. You would never in a million years guess that Kevin Smith was the director of this movie. That does sell it a little bit. Like it's, I mean, there's some funny moments in it, but there's a lot more where you're just like, oh my God, this is terrifying. You know, like if someone's like, who directed this, Kevin Smith or Eli Roth? You'd be like... For sure, Eli Roth directed. Now you're now. See, the thing is, now you're unselling it. <laughs> no, but so. it's really good. It's really good. Okay, and, and okay. Gear shift. Oh my God, gear shift all over that movie. Um, but yes, <laughs> okay. and John Goodman is amazing in it. So yeah, definitely check out um, Red State. But also te- check out Ten Cloverfield Lane. Extremely right. good movie. Cloverfield Lane. I just want to give a shout out so if you go back to episode 29 of melodic treks which is called cracked mirrors and imperfect futures um i take my top three choices who i would like to see score the new star trek series and bear mccreary is one of them and he scored 10 chlor 10 cloverfield lane um oh cool yeah and he, he does a really good job i mean bear mccreary you know he's always good you know battlestar yeah. galactica and whatnot but uh yes in, in this in this he does a good job of scoring it so yeah 10 Cloverfield Lane. Check it out. Okay, one more bit of news. Everyone's freaking out about this, and I don't quite understand why, but uh, they've gone back for some additional photography on Star Trek Beyond and added a cast member, Shaurai Agdashlu. Shaurai Agdashlu. There you go. See, I'm sure I pronounced it wrong. Thank you. Um... She is a, an Emmy-winning and Oscar-nominated actress who has been in things like uh, House of Sand and Fog, where she got nominated for an Oscar, and House of Saddam, where she won an Oscar. And she's also currently starring in this new show, The Expanse, uh, on Sci-Fi Channel, which people are loving, which, by the way, I didn't realize is directed by another person whose name I can't pronounce, um, <laughs> Nareen Shankar who was the, he started off as like the science advisor on Next Generation and quickly worked his way up to the writing staff and everything and blah, blah, blah. Oh. And now he's the showrunner on on this show. He was also a showrunner on CSI for years. So, you know, he hit the big time in a big wow. bad way, but a Star Trek vet for sure has worked on Star Trek for, or had worked on Star Trek for a long time. So check out The Expanse. But yes, she's in it as... The High Command of the Federation, which sounds strangely like uh, detonating the fleet and everything it stands for. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming that means like either president or council chairman or something. Or maybe she is, yeah, maybe she's like commandant of, or, or whatever, uh, like, because um, Tyler Perry, what was what was even his title? I think in, he was the head of Starfleet okay. Academy, right? Right, so she's probably in... Not that role, but a similar sort of role where right. she is she isn't the entirety of the high command, but she is, you know, hopefully not a bad role, but you yeah, know, I doubt it. An admiral of some sort who has to communicate with the crew or or something like that. But but the thing is, it, it, you mentioned people are sort of losing their minds about it. And I like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but like. It's not atypical for especially a movie that goes through test screenings to refine the movie in some way if they're getting feedback from the audiences where they're like, we don't understand what's going on, and for them to go, okay, well, we need to add a couple of scenes here. And so they throw it together really quick, right? No, it's a common thing. Yeah. I mean, like even even in that that podcast, you know, J.J. Abrams was talking about that, you know, not in relation to this, but just in general, and he's like, you're there, you're making a movie for months and months and months, and you know, then you're putting it together and you're like, I just need one shot, you know? I just, mm-hmm. you know? And like he was saying, like with Force Awakens, like they did a whole bunch of stuff on like a soundstage in Los Angeles, you know, months down the road where it's just like, all I need, like he was talking about the, the scene at the end of Force Awakens where, you know, um, well, where the Force, <clears throat> where the Force Awakens, you know? I mean, Literally, you know, and yeah, he's like, we shot 
tons of stuff in that forest and you got the stuff and everything like that. And we're like, we don't have any close-ups, you know? And it's like, you know, you just, you, sometimes you just need moments. You know, you miss the moments, you need moments. Now here it sounds like there's a little bit more going on since they're doing some extra casting and stuff. But I have a feeling, to me, this feels like, especially since they're like, oh, the high command, you know, whatever, that is, it's like we need connective tissue you know we need something maybe it's like we need to see what's going on back on earth you know while all of this stuff is going on we need just this this little thing to sort of comment on something else or whatever so i don't know to me i'm not at all worried about it today simon Pegg tweeted something saying don't worry it's in the bag and he tweeted a bag that had like star trek beyond written on it so i'm not which will be for sale on roddenberry.com sometime i'm sure (laughs) It's yeah. just, I think it's just Star Trek fans being their own worst enemies. I mean, it's it's a common thing that happens in films all the time. You know, I've written stories. I used to I used to write stories when I was in my youth, and I would I would have an idea on my head, and I would think that I would clearly write that idea out on paper, and then somebody would read it and be like, I don't understand what you're trying to say here. And then when they would tell me that they didn't understand what I was saying, I would go back and read it and be like, That's right. That whole thing that I had in my head, I didn't even put in the paper. To, to connect my story mm-hmm. and make it understandable. So you have to go back and rewrite it. You know, books and everything are rewritten hundreds of times before they're published. You know, it's just something that has to be done just to make sure that you can clarify the story so that people can understand it when they go and they watch it, right? So, yeah. but yeah. people are freaking out because they want this movie to fail or something. I don't know, but it's just things that happen in normal filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'm personally not worried. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe it is broken beyond repair, but I really doubt it. I highly doubt it. I so agree. and yes, and and uh Ray Agdashlu is a very good actress. Um definitely if you haven't seen House of Saddam, check it out. It's a, it's a very good um mini series about Saddam Hussein. And uh yeah, House of Sand and Fog. Haven't seen it. I've always wanted to. It's the last film in the Jennifer Connelly Standing on a Pier trilogy. So, uh, yeah, check those out. I can't and wait to see House of Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> so I'm sure she'll win an award for it because that seems to be the thing. Yes. <laughs> she was great in season four of 24 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's one of those actresses who's all over the place. You'll see her in everything, you know. So, yeah, should be cool. And she's got an awesome voice. Yeah, she does. She does. Well, it's been fun talking about the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift today, but that's not all we're talking about here on Trek FM this week. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. You've heard Chief Trip sign on. Uh, I'm serious, Ken. Actually, out of the chair, please. Okay, okay. God. <laughs> I guess the Commodore has the con (laughs) to the journey. All right. Next one is from Damien Haywood and uh, Damien, come on. Which Voyager crew member (laughs) would you hate to be stuck in the Delta flyer with? He's always so negative. I called him on this the other day. I said, Damien, why always with the negativity? He said, at least I'm consistent. The 602 club. We start getting hints of Thor. We start getting hints of Cap. We start getting hints of the entire Avengers crew, and we get Black Widow. So, I mean, Iron Man 2, considering how maybe that's not my favorite movie of the MCU, really does set up a lot of what is to come. Literary Treks. You know, visually, to me, this is one of my favorite eras of Star Trek. You know, those monster maroon coats they're wearing, and they're just absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, I've... A lot of people talked about wanting to get a Captain Sulu Star Trek series, and one of the big reasons for me that that would be so great is to see this era played out visually on a regular basis. Women at Warp. Her, her voice as a computer voice has become so iconic that when Google started developing what is now known as Google Now, that, that personal assistant you can speak to, um, they had initially codenamed it Google Majel. That's so cool. Isn't that awesome? Meta Trex. 
And I kind of had the jingle in my head, you can be a winner at the game yes. of life. And I was trying to think of the Star Trek version of that. You know, you, you, you can be a winner of the poker game of life on the Enterprise. Uh, <laughs> on the it Interpre didn't really roll off the tongue. So. It was great until you added on the Enterprise. Melodic Treks. The reason why I think Brian Reitzel would be a more plausible choice is because he has worked with Fuller in the past. They worked together on Hannibal. He scored that series, all 39 episodes. The neat thing about Brian Reitzel's music is it's more of a sound design than it is a score. Saturday Morning Trek. One of the characters is sizably larger than the than the other. So he's just I don't... closer to the camera, Aaron, obviously. But he's actually behind the other person. <laughs> he's a giant. <laughs> Wait, then he doesn't need a laser cutter. He can just lift the hatch up with it. <laughs> Go down together. Okay. Continuing mission. Yeah, and of course, another great thing is when it's it's all finished and you look at it and go, yeah, we made that together. Yeah, that's that's one of the greatest moments. And people respond to it and say, oh, that's that's pretty well made. The effects are great. The actors are are great, uh, even though they're Dutch trying to speak English, right? <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 fi file from our website and grab the RSS link there as well. If you want to help us out, you can buy some stuff from our store. Uh, if you go to um, trek.fm, you'll see a link to the Promenade, which will take you to our Redbubble store. You can buy t-shirts and sweatshirts and pillows and all sorts of other great things. Um, so yeah, just, just go ahead and check that out. See what you like. Buy some stuff. Uh, another way you can help us out is, is uh, by becoming a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels, along with all of the great perks we have for you, including early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, seats at our patrons' roundtable, and more. We appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all of the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. All right. Uh, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be swell. Brandon yes, it did. would. Yeah. Brandon did. And I'm we still disappointed it. you didn't do it with the helium. <laughs> there were there were a number of factors in that one. <laughs> yeah, we apologize. If you want to leave another review, then um, we 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 will we will do that. But I don't think it'll let you. Yes. Probably not. Right? No. But yeah, if anyone else wants to leave a review, we'll read it in in, in a helium voice, or at least try to. Um, <laughs> If you want to contact us, you can fill out the form on trek.fm slash contact, or you can leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. You can find the network on Twitter at trek.fm, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Or you can also find uh, the Babel Conference on Facebook. Uh, just type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field, or uh, go to our website and click on the discussion tab on the menu bar. Brandon, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me peeling up a storm here in Saskatchewan where I can go crazy drift speeds with the snow. Boy, that was like terrible. On, like on like a snow plow or something like yeah, that? Yeah, a snow plow. We actually got some snow today. It's been really nice all winter. We got a little bit of snow. So yeah, that's my fast in Saskatchewan snow drift. 
<laughs> so, um, you can also find me on Twitter, tweeting, talking about Trek every once in a while at Brandon Metella, and you can find me on the Babel Conference as well, talking Trek all the time. And I'm gonna, I'm trying to start something new here with the uh, quote of the day. I've had a few quotes that I've got some nice feedback on it, so I'm gonna try and do something new every day for a quote from Star Trek. Um, you can find me here on the network with new episodes of Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek, and on many episodes of our 50th anniversary rewatch project called from there to here yes uh what about you yeah. john where can people find you oh they should know where to find me by now mike kessel junkie <laughs> on twitter uh words with nerds with my pal craig available through itunes and all the rest and also on a podcast called aggressive negotiations with trek fm's own matthew rushing talking about the more esoteric side of star wars and you can find me right here on Trek FM, producing from there to here and uh, appearing on it uh, every once in a while. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can find the show on Twitter at ComTrackStars, or you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Brandon. We really appreciate yeah. it. I had a great time. I was glad to be here. Yeah, so did we. So did we. Yeah. And we will be back next week with the fourth film in our Justin Lin series, Finishing the Game. <laughs>